0: Everybody, welcome to Narrative Live. It's good to be with you um, on what has been an incredibly busy news day. Oh my gosh, it does not stop the news. And it's uh, been breaking all the way up to news time with lots of good information tonight. Hello, Eric Garland. It's so good to be with you again. How was your day? My day was wonderful. Thank you, Zev. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an intense one. I mean, there's a lot going on, right? I know. So...
0: It takes me like a few minutes just before the start of the show just to say, like, okay, calm down, relax. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be fine. Uh, Plus, I
1: mean, how do, you, how do you compose the tweet about um, Trump's people apparently planned the militias to have us shot if we left our homes after curfew after they stole the election?
0: I had to listen I to mean, that like four times was, and I transcribed it personally because I was like, I can't believe the mach- machine put that out and it said like they would shoot people. And I had to listen like four times. Justin Sullivan, who's an associate of Roger Stone, talks about a curfew where if you don't comply with a the curfew, they will shoot you without any due process rule Mm -hmm. or anything like that. We will have a lot of that tape coming up and it's a lot of great information. You and uh, and I've been digging up. It's going to be a fascinating continuation of what we did last Friday, which was the tunnel show where we revealed the possibility that Donald Trump may have met some of his uh, collaborators in a tunnel under the White House, uh, at least under the White House and the Treasury. So we'll continue on that. Lots more information on that. Plus a, a look back at how they evolved this whole idea of trying to get the Insurrection Act. So there's plenty of that coming up. We should do the news first of all, though, and start with uh, what we like to call the starting block. And the big news today was the uh, final arrest after 30 hours of Frank James, who's the suspect in the Brooklyn terror attack, which happened yesterday. The subway in Brooklyn was obviously the scene of a horrific a shooting and a smoke attack. Ten people were shot, but as many as thirty-three shots were fired in the subway uh, before Frank James was able to make a getaway. He was finally apprehended today. He did so interestingly enough, for he was apprehended after calling himself in as a tip. He was in the McDonald's in the East Village, and because I guess he was had nowhere else to go, felt maybe the world was uh, becoming smaller and smaller for him, as they like to say in police circles. Frank James actually called himself in as a tip, according to the AP. Frank James called police to tell them where he was and to come and get him says the Associated Press. During a news conference, police officials said that they got a tip uh, saying the suspect was Adam McDonald in the East Village, but they didn't uh, say that he called himself in. Uh, So that's interesting. It is also interesting that this man has an interesting record of not liking the mayor, not liking the subway system as well in New York City. According to the indictment that was released or statement relating to the indictment that was released earlier on today, the Department of Justice says in videos he posted publicly on YouTube before the attack James made various statements about the New York city subway system. Among other things, James addressed statements to New York city's mayor. What are you doing, brother? What's happening with the homeless situation? And every car I went into was loaded with homeless people. It was so bad. I couldn't even stand. James also made statements in some and substance about various conspiracy theories, including that. And so the message to me is I should have gotten a gun, and just started shooting. That is uh at least a good idea of what might be his motive. I mean, we don't know exactly his motive, but he certainly seems to have had been aggrieved in some ways by the city's homeless people, the system, and the mayor. So maybe that's what he was doing. I mean, the guy obviously may not be as stable as uh, as one would want. He's got a history of being involved with the police. They've been aware of him. He's been in a transient home himself. Any number of things could have happened. But uh, that manhunt surely is great that's finished now.
1: Well, I mean... Amazing work by the New York Police Department, by the FBI, by all relevant agencies that helped out with this. They're all super complex situations when you get something like this. Perhaps made easier because the suspect called a tip in on himself. That's statistically unlikely.
0: But, But you know, they only would have done that because, you know, his world was getting smaller. I mean, they literally used that expression. I remember that from my world in Mm. in local news over there. They had him on every TV screen (laughs) in New York City. (laughs) and Everyone was looking out for this guy and everyone knew everything about him. They knew he had a U-Haul. They knew what he was wearing. (laughs) Like, it was just a lot of information. But once you've got 9 million people aware of what you look like looking out for you, they'll find you. So even if he's sitting at the McDonald's, surely people must have realized that's the guy we should probably... Do something about that. And he probably thought he's going nowhere else to go. Where else do you go? You know, he's stuck in the middle of Manhattan. just surrounded by NYPD. You
1: know, there's a heavy populated area. I actually spoke with friends in the New York metropolitan area. Some have kids who go to school near there. And uh, so it was very personal. I mean, it's always personal. I don't know. I, I suppose it's somewhat more comforting to know that he was just crazy, potentially. That's a very strong reaction to um, poor public transit. Yeah. I mean, we all have far issues on the bus or, uh, you know, wishing the tram, trolley, or subway cars were nicer or less crowded. But, That's you know, like extended magazine pistols and yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a little extreme. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're very lucky to have people in uh, law enforcement and national security who can uh, lock that up within 24 hours so that people can not only go on with their daily lives, but also know that if somebody does snap in such a way and get that violent, that can be, that situation can not only be rectified and, and somebody entered into the federal law enforcement and uh, justice system, uh, but their face put up all over and hopefully other people who are unhappy with uh, public transit will realize oh, that, that, uh, that uh, their complaint will not last very long.
0: When we go to one the air by seven o'clock yesterday evening, you know, the, the police had done so much great work in terms of identifying the fact that he had gotten through the R train across the way from the N train had uh, probably gotten off on 25th Street. That is still what they think happened. They also were able to track the U-Haul vehicle based on the credit card they found on the train and uh, following up on the on what he bought, it was that uh, credit card. So they were able to track that U-Haul vehicle. They are also able to track the fact that he got onto a subway station near that U-Haul vehicle, which is what we reported yesterday. So they did that within 10 hours and the gun, they were able to track that back plus a lot of other information. And that's a lot of detective work going on there. That's when they finally called him person of interest and then later on a suspect. So it certainly was great police work, as the NYPD always does. I've always, when I was in local news there, those guys are fantastic in a time of a crisis like you've never seen before. And you're always glad to see them at a time of crisis. Actually, always glad to see them, but at a time of crisis, you're always glad, to, you know, it's, it's, they make you feel really, really safe.
1: Look, there's something about New Yorkers, right? The beautiful thing and equally ugly thing about living in New York City is you've seen everything once right so it's pretty hard to to shock a new york cop for the most part so they're they're gonna be nice. like, ah this guy ah jesus okay that guy in here you know
0: yeah yeah that's a they have a tough job too i mean that's a tough city to run hey we better move on because there's so much other news it was interesting today as well that mr joe biden was using the word genocide um regarding mr putin's actions in ukraine this is not unusual this is the second time he's probably done it and we feel that he's probably right. I mean, I certainly feel like it's hard to say anything else. It does not mean the U.S. policy to Ukraine has yet changed into officially genocide. May I? May you I? May. Dork out you here. May. Dork uh, out and, away. And a
1: salute to the uh, George Washington University Elliott School of International Affairs, where I got my master's degree um, in normal statecraft, which did get a little bit suspended during the Trump years. You can be forgiven for thinking how could this be true. But before you had these lunatics with their lunatic. Twitter accounts, you know, blasting Cofevi out out at the world every morning and whatever else, it was assumed that a statement by a president or other type of head of state was the official policy of that country. So whoever the man or woman in charge was made a statement that reflected the rest of at least the executive branch of that government's statement. Of course everybody's got different forms of government but most of the major powers have usually some form of executive branch it might be a monarchy it might be an elected head and then also a legislative parliament you know we've had the same forms of government for 2000 years you know a king a wise council and democracy anyhow you know until trump it was thought that when the president says something and changes the words uh, that person uses that represents the the policy of the nation, so i 'm going to assume that we 've sort of gone back a little bit to normal mm-hmm. uh, in that when President Biden says something that that reflects the policy direction of the country, which is terrible news for Vladimir Putin and good news for Ukraine and the rest of the world, that America is not going to sit by while War crimes are committed, and now he stepped that up because war crimes, as we said on last night's show, can be here or there, and genocide is systemic. It is supported by an entire regime, and you've gotta take that regime out. So he is uh, calling for a pretty big bar fight
0: Have you heard the term strategic confusion? I've heard it used in terms of this. So this is the government of the United States also saying... Exactly. (laughs) Mine too. But, you know, what they're trying to say is, we think it's genocide, sure, but we still want to keep an open channel to you in case we need to talk to you about whatever. So officially, we're still going to not say it's genocide, but, you know, the president of the United States says, you're a genocidal murderer, but it's not official, guys. You can still talk to us about stuff. Plus... Is a challenge with the ICC because we're not a signatory to the ICC. So um, we can't really refer things over there without being a signatory. However, what's going on there is horrific. And I hope he's getting a lot of these messages clearly. I mean, not only is he being compared to, you know, the likes of of Hitler and Stalin, which maybe he'd aspire to, but, you know, no one wants to aspire towards being um, this guy, Mr. Putin, Hitler, or even this guy in an Ukrainian cartoon recently. You know, this is not something that he's probably looking forward to. And he is becoming that person in history. And he's also navigating a war here, which is going to be very, very ugly. So to that regard, the Biden administration today stepped up with $800 million worth of new military assistance to Ukraine, including you'll see in this list is something called a helicopter, which we had not given them <laughs> before, but uh, now they've got helicopters, which is about, you know, we're inching closer and closer to those fighter jets. Uh, this time we've given them helicopters, but someone did the math on this. We've given about $2.5 billion in military aid to Ukraine uh, since the start of this thing. The normal military budget in Ukraine for a good year is $4 billion. So we are more than doing our part in Ukraine. And If anyone says otherwise, you're not paying attention. So pay attention. Um, Thank you. (laughs) After this break, uh, we will come back. We've got to talk about this incredible story, Justin Sullivan, who's an associate of Roger Stone and everything he has been up to and the audio tape that we have. We're going to listen to it in great detail of everything he was doing. I mean, it's kind of stunning what he admits on tape to a bunch of anti-vaxxers on December 30th, a week before the insurrection. So that's coming up. Plus, I want to remind everyone that because we love you here at Narrative, if you are a patron of Narrative, you now have one of these, you have a red hotline, which means you can at any time interrupt us on the show by writing us a message or asking a question. We won't take it immediately, but I'll see it flash up in front of me, right next to me on my chat module here. And you can only use that if you go to narrative.org forward slash TV. That's narrative.org forward slash TV. But you have to be a patron to use this red hotline. If you want to Eric or me, that's how you find us, write us a message. But please, we're talking about actual comments related to the show, and send us other things as well, I guess, but it's, it would be helpful if it was, uh, actually even further the content of the show. So feel free to, as use it right now, go to narrative.org forward slash TV, write a message to us. We'll flash it up on the screen. And thank you very much to the folks at uh, Patreon and all our patrons for providing us all the funding that we need. We don't have enough, but at least we have what you've given us, which is great to keep all our narrative content alive. So we're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back after this with some news about our big sponsor for tonight's show, which is AG1 Athletic Greens. We'll be right back with that it seems that every day there's a new health threat and in fact just today they were telling us that the mask mandate is back on for another few weeks if you're traveling one of the best ways you can reclaim your immune system is eating healthy well how do you get all the vitamins and nutrients you need in a convenient, affordable way that's why i'm currently doing a 30-day self-imposed athletic greens challenge the plan is simple you take the ag1 supplement throughout april at least I take it. And I track all my increases in energy levels, overall well-being, see if my immune system feels better. Today is day 10. It's just one scoop in a cup every day, including water or anything else you want to mix it with. It's kind of amazing because you don't have to take any other vitamins, no other pills, not, no other supplements. It's got everything you need in one of these AG1 sachets that you put in with, mixed with water. And it tastes pretty good. A lot of people have a lot of concern around how AG1 tastes or how green drinks taste in general. AG1 tastes really good. It's, it's a kind of sweet taste. It's very uh, refreshing, really good drink. So I highly recommend it. Plus 10 days in, I should say, I've noticed a real boost in my energy levels. My memory is better. I feel much healthier. AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients into just the right time. Whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they got it covered. And because they care about your wallet too, AG1 will only cost you around three bucks a day and there aren't any hidden fees. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative, the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, and that's our sponsor for today. Thank you very much, for Athletic Greens, for being here. We support you as much as you support us. Thank you so much. All right, we're back with Eric.
1: I want to continue the pitch there. You need immune and nutritional support to help deal with the stress of what we <laughs> report on narrative. You
0: know what? It's actually really true. So, Athleticgreens.com slash narrative. Because I have a really hard time getting all the greens that I need and all the nutrients because I, I tend to eat while I'm working and I just work so much that I just kind of just eat my food and I forget all the healthy stuff, you know, I'll grab a pizza or whatever it is just because it's just easier to eat. And the greens, I think you kind of need, and you need all those things in those that you get from greens and all the vitamins and other stuff they have in AG1 because I have been um, just a lot more productive and I had a lot more energy since I started taking it 10 days ago. So that's, and you know, I'm not really, I'm really, not just not me, I'm just endorsing something. I totally, totally, this is a real experience and this is me. I'm telling you what I feel about this product. So I highly recommend it. Self-care. Self-care. Brought to you by narrative. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You've got a nice voice for reading ads. Maybe you should do that. Um, Maybe. <laughs> we do that next time. All right. So here's... Uh, let's, let's recap where we left the show last Friday. We had such an amazing show on Friday because we were having this like brainstorm live on the air, basically. But all the possibilities that could be related to this tunnel that we, we knew everyone sort of has known this tunnel ex- existed, but this notion that the people at the Wilbur Hotel, which were coordinating the January 6th insurrection from a political and legal perspective, may have actually been able to get in contact with the president himself, if he met them in the little war room that they have under the White House, which they connects the White House or the East Wing to the Treasury Department. It was a fascinating show, don't you think, Eric? I mean, I learned a lot in that broadcast.
1: I learned a lot too. I learned a lot researching it.
0: So I wanna show you a couple of things that I learned since then. We showed you the other day. So if you look at the White House, I can't point to it, unfortunately, but you can see the White House obviously there. It's a, this light green box represents the tunnel. There was, we had referred to it as the tunnel built by Ronald Reagan. It connects the West Wing to the East Wing. And at that point, all I knew about it was that it was actually just a connection between those two wings. And it turns out that even on the White House Gov uh, website, they actually say that this is designed to be the tunnel that links the Oval Office. To the war room, or the what is was the name of the war room again? The operational
1: uh, um, presidential emergency operation center. That thing does that have a does that mean
0: anything? Does that... or the bunker? The bunker. Okay, <laughs> basically the bunker. So this green tunnel does actually function in exactly the way we suspected it would, which is to take people to the bunker. The bunker is probably in this red area-ish. I don't know exactly where and I don't really need to know where, but let's say it's somewhere in this red area. And then this yellow tunnel is actually underneath the treasury. So the red bunker is actually the tunnel to the treasury, we feel like, or at least a larger part of the tunnel to the treasury is in this uh, bunker out these operation centers in the bunker, I should say. So over here at the Wilbur, which is the Blue Hotel, right, which is the blue square above this hotel, the Wilbur is where mm-hmm. Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, and many many other top dignitaries stayed during the January six uprising. It seems to me that this has been known to people a long time. I had to go and learn about it, but there is a tunnel under the Wilbur as well that takes you from one side of the hotel to the other. Oh, Willard, side. Willard. I'm sorry. What I always call it the Wilbur. I don't know. I just have it stuck in my head like it's a nice it's also nice sounding but it's the Willard. The Willard Hotel. Get all the facts straight. Mm -hmm. Come on. So at the Willard Hotel over here there is a tunnel that takes you all the way from Pennsylvania Avenue which is the front of it to whatever's at the back here Mm -hmm. and uh F Street because
1: that see that little oval way at the the right edge of the screen there Mm -hmm. on the building to the top you got one okay so you get your dotted blue line. Yeah. All the way to the edge of the screen that was the headquarters of my company competitive futures for many years in washington dc so this is my hood you know exactly your way around here where by the way i shared office space they were in the office over with a guy named chad wolf who worked for a democratic lobbying firm chad wolf was acting secretary of dhs on january 6th and we used to share the same water fountain dc wow. is a small town
0: well i mean not only that i mean the willard is one of these places that i i don't know that president grant used to go and get drunk over there that's apparently how they came up with the term lobby, yes, because he used to get drunk in the lobby mm-hmm. and people used that's, to hit him up there
1: they would hang out at the lobby yeah. of the, with the willard yeah
0: yeah so it's you know there's another hotel by the way the washingtonian i think it's called Washingtonian. i've stayed in that hotel right next to it however i don't think it's got the tunnel And more importantly, it doesn't have the very, like, sort of esteemed spy history that the Willard has. I didn't know that about the Willard either. It has a a long history of being a home to spooks. So... This yellow line here. Oh, every, no,
1: everybody meets there. So yeah. if, you, if you go in and you get a martini at the bar and you just look around, it's just a hot mess in there. Yeah. It's good.
0: You're spying, basically. You walk in there, you're, you're spying. Or you're he, getting drunk. I mean, you yeah. have options. <laughs> spying <laughs> and drinking, multitasking. Now, you, you, you might be asking what the yellow section is here. Under the treasury, there are actually a myriad of tunnels, believe it or not, not just the ones we can see or are known. There are many, many others which are unknown. This yellow one is one of the known ones actually is the entrance into the white house proper that exists off campus and you'll you can look it up all the Mm -hmm. details are out there in the web somewhere but it's interesting to me that it goes all the way down this street i don't even know what that is Uh, but then it connects into white house under the the treasury that street that's going to be 15th so i'm going to just surmise and i have no idea if this is true or not but it seems like it's Quite possible that the tunnel leading into the end of Willard Hotel on F Street maybe connect to this other tunnel or these other tunnel networks that exist underneath the treasury and and maybe you wouldn't even have to go above ground to get into the treasury. You could probably, if you knew your way, if you knew the right passcode or the right knock on the door, you might be able to find your way all the way from the Willard to the treasury.
1: Okay, so some logistical reality about Washington, D.C. Anybody who lives in D.C., works in D.C. knows what I'm talking about. Parking there is insane. There's something like the White House where when you got to get there, you got to get there. There's only a few dignitary, you know, a few of the top, top staff that are going to have like a driver every morning that picks them up and takes them in. That's going to be like chief of staff, national security, top, top of the White House Council, top people that get their own car. Otherwise, you got to drive in like every, every other schmuck. So traffic in D.C. is gnarly, but you still need to get to work with as much logistical facility as possible. So the existence of these tunnels makes sense that you're going to have parking somewhere else because parking's a bear once you've lived there for two three years you know you could parallel park you know an 18 wheeler truck into a, a bag of chips mm. i mean you can do anything but there's a lot of people who work in you know in and out of these complexes and they need to get in so the underground tunnels make a lot of sense the blue ones there that's where you're going to have some lesser dignitaries let's say you're prime minister of the united kingdom or president of france you might stay at blair house which would be up uh, to the upper left,
0: yeah, the other uh, side. I can't get us there, fortunately, but it's on the other you side. You can't
1: don't don't move anything, but yeah, just yeah. near. It's really close to the White House yeah. or the Hay Adams Hotel. A lot of people stay at the Willard, and you'd probably want a way to get over to those federal buildings easily. So, look, I, I mean,
0: there's a lot of very important people who would have to get into the Treasury, uh, even in an emergency. I mean, imagine you're in the in the middle of a war or something like that. that. Uh, You need to get money in and out of the treasury. That's where they used to keep all the money. I mean, there's a lot of things that you need in the treasury and not to mention access to the president that you can imagine that the tunnel and system under this is quite sophisticated and probably can lead you to a lot of different places in order for you to do what you needed to do, including park a car or move a dignitary inside or get money out to the, you know, to the masses or whatever it is you needed. It it makes sense that under there, there's a, a lot of tunnels. They actually used to have a money laundry in there. You know, they used to wash the money in the treasury. So they had a literal laundromat, <laughs> a money laundromat huh. there. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. Unfortunately. They, they just let us have the dirty money, I guess. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's the tunnel system. You're caught up to speed about what we've learned since that day, but it certainly seems... Like you could probably get around pretty easily from the West Wing all the way to the Willard Hotel and vice versa without anybody really knowing because you're on secret passageways
1: so let's say you were a bunch of low rent mobsters in your last half cup of gasoline, yeah, and uh you're skidding into prison and you're just looking to overthrow the United States government and all the Western democracy and set all of civilization back prior to the Renaissance yeah. and you're over at the Willard Hotel where you probably shouldn't be you'd not yeah. even fit for there and you needed to work with the white house both of these let's say the white house was, was full of foreign agent scum and other just low rent criminals that need to be uh you know interred somewhere you could all work together on the same day in this little area yeah. hypothetically on january 6 2021.
0: you could and now there are lots of questions here coming on online i knew i was going to get these i'm going to just like uh digs retro is saying so you're saying that there's an entrance from a private hotel to our most secure presidential war room and national treasury I am saying that there could be. I do not know that there is one. I do know that this yellow track here that I've lined up is an actual tunnel that exits on a, in a laneway in D.C., and it's the secret exit off campus for people who wanted to get out of the White House in, say, an emergency or what have you if the president needed to get in in that emergency. It has It's staffed with a Secret Service guy. It's a real entranceway to the White House, and it's a, some way away. It's a couple of blocks away.
1: The Presidential Emergency Operations Center is staffed, I believe, 24-7 by Department of Defense employees and Secret Service. So what we're talking about is is their subterranean physical communication between these areas which by the way like i pointed out in the last show is 80 yards so if you had to come up to 15th street wait for the little white guy to turn Mm -hmm. white and run across the street you're still talking like 30 seconds a minute these are the ways that people would get around to different places without being within camera range of of Bystanders, and I think that's our point. I doubt that the uh, the war room is available to everybody that stays at the Willard, who's (laughs) in the exercise room or the bar, or the emergency briefing room in case there's a nuclear strike. That I don't think any of that exists. But this is about: can you get on that day? Were there people in the scumbag Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carra, Kaylee, you know, Steve Bannon room over on the Mm. blue side, and? the white house yeah. because we know the people over in blue roger stone and all them they were involved with the um attempt to like murder uh, elected officials the question is did the blue square work with the teal square yeah using the yellow square
0: yeah exactly but it's, it's a i mean I, I would say we'll probably never know for sure but because it's a, probably it might that might be a secret but it certainly is interesting that you know that there's a tunnel that like, all the way underneath the uh, Willard, that made me think, well, where does that tunnel go to? Normally you build tunnels to connect one place to another. Um, you don't just build a tunnel, you know, that has a dead end. So that's why I was assumed that it would connect. And it's an assumption, but let's say it's possible that you could get from there to the White House. Uh, also, you got to remember, again, think about this in a war situation where you don't necessarily want people who are important to be wandering around above street level. If you need to get people from place to place you need tunnels to get them. And there's probably a lot more tunnels in DC than we are aware of for good reason. So um, that's that part. But you mentioned Roger Stone and, you know, no matter where you look at in the story with with Jan 6, Roger Stone comes up again and again and again, because he's just that kind of dude. It seems to me that he was so involved in everything that went on that day that it's becoming treasonous if it wasn't already Now, Jason Sullivan is someone I'd not known very well before until just the other day when uh, his tape popped up and it's a tape of him talking to anti-vaxxers on December the 31st, a week before the insurrection, describing what was going to happen during the insurrection and after, and it includes threats to shoot the public. And and after. Yeah. And after. So we're going to be playing some of that, but you've learned a little bit about Mr. Sullivan as well, um, about what kind of, uh, What kind of guy he is politically?
1: Well, I mean, I think he works with Roger Stone and there's really nothing more to say about (laughs) that. But it was very interesting to look up the super PAC that they had together, I believe in uh was it for the 20 i think it was for the 2016 election there are some connections in their
0: super pack so it is interesting we, that, that they get funded by unique individuals that are well known that um, are well known yeah that are very well known so that's interesting Involves some celebrities as well i want to listen to some of this guy's tape i mean we are talking about someone who's full of bravado he apparently sounds he claims to be himself one of these messenger people who's able to create a message on behalf of the president or whichever other political party is giving him the money. In other words, he's the kind of guy who whips up, who gaslights people is probably the better way to describe him. He's able to create enough leverage, as he calls it, to create events and let them happen. So we're gonna listen to this. It's a five minute tape, but we're gonna listen to it in different sections. This is the first section. We listened to some of it yesterday, but I just wanna listen to it again because boy, is it interesting. This is Jason Sullivan on tape as he's talking to this group of anti-vaxxers on December the
2: 31st. He's going to do something and it's going to be where people are actually going to be arrested. And I know you've been hearing that for a long time, but it won't happen. Can, 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 can I ask, a ask you a quick question? To, yes, sir. Uh, because I have to cut myself off pretty soon. Is he going to declare an insurrection or martial law? Uh, there, there, there very well may be some limited form of martial law. Uh, I don't know that okay. the Insurrection Act. Okay, because it uh, has been deemed unconstitutional, Uh, there's a lot of argument about that, but who knows? President Trump does what President Trump wants to do. Okay, so people can advise him all they want so their face turns blue. At the end of the day, he's he's, he's his own man, he's going to call his own shots. So he very well may call it an insurrection act, but there may be, I, I foresee a limited form of martial law, and I don't see any other way around it. It's not
0: going
2: to happen. The Biden will never be in that White House. That's my promise to each and
0: every one of you. Okay. Thanks. Joe Biden will never be in that White House. That's my promise to each and every one of you. Okay, well, you were wrong. So that's good. <laughs> not as good as you think you are. Mr. That's Solomon. good. But the other stuff is terrifying because he openly is talking about a plan by the president to institute a uh, limited form of martial law, whatever that might mean. And also use the insurrection oh. acts. I mean, those two are very significant things that, you know, he says that Trump is his own man. He calls his own shots, which means he heard this from the president in all likelihood that this is what he wanted to do. Boy, that's hard to run away from. I mean, it's, it's just is, it is what it is. I mean, it's very damning, very, very damning.
1: Yeah. It gets pretty stark after a while there. There's so much complexity to this, but when you arrive at the final terminus point here is like, mm. Oh, that's what you were doing
0: yeah yeah i mean it's just no matter which way you look at it no matter how you look at this thing this is what they were planning to do they were planning to overthrow the uh, duly elected government that the american people had elected and install themselves into another term i mean or longer uh it is longer yeah there's no way to really remember trying
1: Years ago, um, Trump uh, used the Twitter platform to troll everybody with Trump twenty 2020, twenty, Trump twenty twenty four. Remember, there was like there was like a GIF that had a bunch of the, these Trump campaign signs, and it almost suggested like the Trump family would be in power for fifty years, like it was uh, Papa and Baby Doc Duvalier in Haiti or something.
0: So it was like 24, twenty four, twenty twenty eight. 2032. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Look, it's really uh, terrifying. I mean, we all suspected this was what they were going to try and do, but the fact that they actually did try and do it, and then the fact that there's still an entity of, of political power in the United States that may run again, I mean, and the GOP hasn't really oh, right. changed very much, then, you know, we have not. Oh, and they're exited. But here in
1: Missouri, there are are local politicians who are sucking up to saying how close they are to Trump still. So I just, you know, I hope all the voters here in Missouri get to hear um, what this magnificent Paragon of democracy was really about. But maybe they don't care. Maybe they're
0: supportive. Maybe the idea is that, you know, they've convinced them all that this is necessary or that there's so much election fraud going on that maybe they believe that donald trump has been ripped off and not and not won an election league it was the election illegally
1: yeah yeah we got to play the part of the tape where they talk about shooting us if we leave our
0: houses let's do that pulling this off so the other thing that jason sullivan does in this tape which i find kind of fascinating is he describes this whole the way they do things. And we'll get to that in a second about how they're able to gaslight a population in order to do something, to create enough of a fire for Donald Trump to take action on some things, which is interesting in light of the BLM violence and all the other violence that we had in in leading up to that election. But let's listen to Jason Sullivan as he describes to us now what he will describe as leverage and what he hopes is going to happen uh, and how he expects the event to go down on January the 6th. So let's listen to what this looks like. Um, into this call to
2: it's not going to happen Biden will never be in that white house that's my promise to each and every one of you okay so when that happens and that's some realization of course sorrels and group of minions and all their folks in the in the black lives matters groups and the, and the uh antifa groups of course they're going to want to start to defend what happens you know where they start burning down cities with a friend with okay And so, of course, they have a plan to defend on cities and start burning cities down again. We know that. We know their entire playbook, okay? So, do you think we're gonna allow that to happen No. There will be a limited form of martial law, which would, at that point, there's no more playing games. We're telling you, you have a curfew, and you gotta abide by it, otherwise you're gonna get shot in the rear end, okay? And they may be real bullets, who knows, okay? But he's not going to allow them to descend on all the cities and burn all of our cities down, for one, uh, and the, the main reason for that is because if they, if he did allow them to do that, our militia would step up and meet them with great force, and we would therefore find ourselves in a civil war. There's no question about that. Does anybody doubt that? Nope. Oh no. No, no that's, that's what I'm afraid of. We are. No, we're down here in the. we're, we're down here in the south. south. Trust me. Everybody's <laughs> yes. ready. Yeah, I've been there. I mean, I've got good friends in Tennessee. They've got 120 acres. They're built. They're ready for World War III. I mean, everything. And that's my fallback, actually. Okay? So, uh, but I don't see it happening because this president has principles. And he stands on those principles. And he will not break them for anyone. And so they picked on the wrong president. That's all I can tell you. The deep state thinks that they control everything, and they practically do. But they picked on the wrong president in this case. Okay, so I, I, I encourage everybody to not panic, not worry too much, I apologize for that background noise. Um, I encourage everybody not to panic, for one. And, and anybody here that's been in the military, God bless you, and again, thank you for your service. And anybody in the military would know the first, you know, the first people to panic on the battlefield are the first people to, you know, to, to not make it, okay? So I encourage you more than anything not to panic, and I understand everybody's here, okay? And I'm constantly talking people off the, the ledge every single day. And just like, I'm sure all of you
0: are as well. <laughs> yeah, we're all scared because of what you're doing, Mr. Sullivan. I mean, let's talk about that one comment in particular, which just stands out. You know, you either going to uh, comply with our, with our curfew or we're, we're going to telling
1: sh- you, you yeah. have a curfew and if you don't abide by it, yeah. you're going to be shot in the rear end, you know, mm-hmm. and it may be real bullets. Yeah, that was, and let's be real clear with the audience here, that was After they stopped the vote count and the certification of the election, possibly killing Nancy Pelosi or Mike Pence or other elected officials. And after the quote, quick reaction forces of the proud boys and the oath keepers, after that, there were going to be militias check this in multiple cities, according to Roger Stone's associate here, multiple cities. And there was going to be a curfew imposed outside of the law we currently, the Constitution of the United States and the laws we currently live under. Mm -hmm. These people were going to impose a physical curfew on American citizens, and their intention was if we did not obey them physically to stay in our homes, they would murder us. I want everyone to understand this. Mm -hmm. This was their intention. They win the election no matter what you voted no matter what the count said no matter what math says no matter what science says and when it's done you shut up and you stay in your house or we shoot you in the face we shoot your children and you shut the up that is what the republican party stood up for in 2016 and on through today and that is what they need to pay for legally
0: Eric, you're hundred percent right. What they basically, not even basically, what they say are saying there is that they were going to impose martial law. They were going to get the entire national guard deployed, which is not really what they're meant to be used for, but they were going to be deployed under the martial law statute that they were going to impose. And then they were going to impose a curfew on Americans for being out later than they should be. And if you didn't listen to their curfew, he is saying there that they would shoot you if you didn't listen. And they may be real bullets, whatever they would be otherwise. I mean, it's
1: right. They're not even talking about that's a cover for what they were really planning, which was, you know, World War Three slash Civil War here, Mm. which is they use, you know, irregular militias because guess what? There's a bunch of Democratic governors that have control of these National Guards, right? And... They wouldn't necessarily go along with that. We don't have a national military Mm -hmm. defense force within the boundaries of the United States because of the act of posse comitatus. We don't have that. We have local police forces. We have state police. We have county sheriffs. We have the rule of law all over there. And we have a military that faces outward. We have intelligence services that face outward and very few that are watched very closely. That might face inward in the case of specific threats. And what they're talking about, oh, uh, something insurrection act. I mean, that's a thin veil of we're going to bring our guns out, our small, and who knows how this would have actually gone, but this was their dream and they threatened it in 2016 and they've been talking about it as this is why we need unlimited small arms in the United States, second amendment, something, something, shoot the government. They're revealing what they really wanted to do. They are absolutely they to revealing. Shoot us. Mm -hmm. They wanted to shoot us if we didn't agree with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they're talking about, they're not talking about, you know, and if the democratic party says that they're not going to leave their seat of power, or um, we say this guy won the Senate race and he's the one who should enter the door. They're talking about coming to to your door zip, my door Well, mm-hmm. you're in Canada, but hey, knows, um, they, the probably, they, they, to... they probably would have annexed Canada.
0: <laughs> you know what's a, the thing um, they probably just... they,
1: they may not know that Canada isn't a state, <laughs> uh, who knows, but these guys are talking about going from house to house. Mm-hmm. And if I'm out after nine o'clock mm-hmm. and they said, whoever they is, well, who is they, a guy with a shotgun next to me? Mm-hmm somebody with an AR 15 and a bump stock who says, Hey, Eric, I'm the local representative of Donald Trump. Really. He's just some psychopath who would, we're not talking. This is not even a military coup. A Mm -hmm. military coup is when there's like the political situation falls apart. And sometimes that's because of foreign powers that step Mm -hmm. in. And then the, the, Oh, the last resort is the military. And they're like, all right, guys post up here, 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 tell everybody to go in their house. It's because the political system has fallen apart and, the military sometimes does a coup and goes all right we're going to set up the next set of elections yeah. right that's not what this would have been this would have been we had there was this was a peaceful land yeah. you know in most ways and you know we just had an orderly election although lots of technical difficulties and you know the vote by mail all messed up and all that but, you know, we all went out and there weren't mass murders or warlords fighting as we were trying to vote. Mm-hmm. It's just the vote didn't come out the way some people wanted. And they wanted to, they weren't even going to call out the Pentagon. They're talking about militias, just average people. I, th- I think the going National Guard first. I think people. they were talking
0: about the National Guard. But, yes, militias as well. But I think the National Guard was their initial... You know, what they're saying here in this or in this audio tape is what they're saying. is so They're going to call out the National Guard and then the militias would join in the civil war because the sequence of events would be something like this, that well, at least he's predicting. So you would have the election was stolen from Democrats in their scenario. They would take the Democrats and would be up in arms, send in their BLM activists to tear down or burn down the cities in response to the stolen elections, in which case the militias and the National Guard will be called in to suppress that and then put in up the curfew. That's the sequence of events that they were predicting was going to happen when they stole an election illegally from the American people. Who knows what would have happened? It could be something like that. It could be some not something like that, but it certainly would not, you know, that would be a point of anger for sure. If the election was stolen from anyone in this election, but properly stolen, not in the way these guys were trying to do a takeover, an overthrow. I mean, we have not seen anything like this in, I don't know, it's just impossible. We haven't oh, seen, no, anything, we've never like seen democracy democracy anything like this democracy because it doesn't happen in democracies. This doesn't happen.
1: You elect not, people. This would have been... This would have been worse than the American Civil War. The yeah. American Civil War was during a time when the states were actually quite a bit more politically separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And the people who led the military operations there all went to West Point. Yeah. They knew each other yeah. by and large, yeah. and they'd learned uh, modern warfare tactics. And they were setting up. I mean, you know, I don't have any love for the Confederacy, but, you know, they were setting up to be their own nation. They're like, we're going to defend this peculiar institution of enslaving people as our economic engine and we're we're leaving. And so we got no military conflict over that. And it was run like a, you know, more or less a conventional war at the time. And they mm-hmm. were by professional soldiers who had conscription. And then when they lost, there was a, when the Confederacy lost the, you know, at Appomattox courthouse, they. Uh, you know, the unlawful but organized political government of the Confederate States of America gave up. Then Lincoln said, all right, we need reconstruction and we need to bring them back in as quickly as possible. This would have been so much worse than that. Mm -hmm. This is, you're talking about propagandizing people who are on the phone with this Jason Sullivan character. And saying, oh, yeah, no, you know, oh, great. You know, once, oh, once, if I see on Facebook somebody that says Antifa, if I see three kids in black sweatshirts and somebody says, Antifa's in your city at nine o'clock, if anybody's out, shoot them. You know who would love that? Vladimir Putin. Yeah. China would love that. Brazil would love that. They would love America to rip itself apart from the inside. And that is
0: what that would have done. A lot of states have have done this. A lot of states have started introducing laws where if you shoot somebody outside, it's not considered murder. If you're deputized as a legal, as a law person. In other words, they're deputizing their entire public who had guns, which was mostly white people, to shoot whoever they want to do in the name of the law. And that's already being passed in places like Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, right now. That's actually law. Why are they passing those laws? They're passing those laws in anticipation of needing them under these circumstances. I mean, that's what's really going on here.
1: Yeah, they were trying that in Missouri here at the beginning of the session. Uh, The law went down. It didn't uh, go beyond committee, I don't even think. But they were saying that all murders must be presumed self-defense. Yes. Why? And I'm like, really? Like if a 41-year-old kills a six-year-old? Like we have to say, well, he was coming right at me, you know, with his teddy bear. I mean, it didn't make sense. But in this context,
0: it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Badiya Matri has a question for us uh, on our hotline, and she's asking, begs the question, if that false flag act is ready to go to burn the cities down. It's a very legitimate question. I think it was answered. John
1: something. uh, He was the the young man who was both an Antifa guy in the summer protest, and then he also showed up at the Jan 6 Uh, invasion uh, there. NGO, uh, it's John NGO or something, I can remember. You can go, uh, and Jason, I have uh, yeah, something. And uh, he was the one who, who videotaped um,
0: yeah. well, that's uh, one. Ashley Babbitt's killing. So. You know, the reality is, of course they were. I mean, we, we did the coverage of, I remember that Portland attack that we covered about a year or so ago. And in that, there was two people that were killed in the street. And then a few days later, the assailant was also killed by police. Remember, we did that story. It was kind of a dramatic story, one of the biggest stories in the run up to the elections in 2020 the understanding from our coverage during that story is that there were in fact uh, crisis actors the a lot of the antifa people when they were you know when they, we looked inside the antifa organizations they were you know sort of professionally run perhaps foreign run false flag actors really they were designed to inflame situations so you know if you wanted to create a situation leading up to an election where you had violence in cities you would take these you know, actors who were playing Antifa and have them confront our or their uh, MAGA people, and you'd have conflict. Of course, you'd have conflict. No doubt, you at least would be able to create some sort of conflict. And the same thing happened in a couple of other places, a BLM as well as another interesting. Look, look at what happened in Kenosha, right when. Rittenhouse was out there. Why was Rittenhouse out there when all these people were clashing with each other, with his gun, ready to shoot people? I mean, those are the kind of situations where you think this doesn't In isolation, maybe you can understand it, but as when you look at it as a trend and where are they now, they're not out now, they were out only then. Well, it's funny.
1: I mean, I think, you know, after George Floyd was killed and you see the, the response to it where there were protests and then we had federal troops Try and put that down. as something Barr brought in. Mm. And today is an interesting news day because the United States Park Service and sorry, U.S. Park Police and the U.S. Secret Service did a settlement with some of the uh, the protesters who were aggressed by Barr's. F- federal troops that day, the identity of which we have yet to learn. Because one of the things that this settlement said is that the U.S. is going to, will not have any more officers out that aren't identified with name tags and whatnot. Mm. My personal theory is that, you know, Trump and Barr and all these co-conspirators created all those different events that summer to inure, to get the people used to the notion exactly, of a exactly. nameless federal force, just somebody with a gun saying, shut up, go inside. We're in control right now. Mm. And why? Cause Antifa. Mm. Now it turns out, now I, I did a little quick search just to jog my memory. Was John Earl Sullivan was right. one of these supposed Antifa types who has a more complicated backstory and he was in the invasion of the Capitol. Mm. So right. you know, was that I mean, it seems like they realized they were gonna lose to Joe Biden. So it's like, let's get the American people used to this. And you have events like uh, the McCloskey couple down in uh, downtown St. Louis in this very, very safe gated community. And uh, where, but they come out with their guns that they're pointing at each other with this terrible barrel control and whatnot. And they were role modeling. This is what you do guys. This is normal. Some 17 year old uh, with an assault rifle It's going Mm. to just murder some people and he's going to get off because that's we, and these people are all very convinced of themselves. Mm. Like, look, okay, you and your belief in um, the constitution and democracy and the the last 2000 years of progress. Look, I know better than you. And, um, you know, so I'm just going to have to shoot you and I'm sorry. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean where I'm from that's a rabid animal that you have to put down so one have to be careful about that kind of talk. Yeah. Uh, which these people have very much not been very careful about. But I think a lot of the imagery that was created that summer was to raise up these, you know, look, you need to get, look, this is just how this is going to happen. And these people are going to, you know, they're they're going to be upset that they can't steal the election from you and they just need to be shot maybe by you or someone else, which is um Nightmarish. You know,
0: let me also add to that as you talk about all of this, it reminds me that it was Charles Bowsman, a Russian agent that was amongst the many people that was helping uh, sort of ignite this movement of white nationalism and, and, you know, the sort of very aggressive, far extreme right wing and Russian spy in Pennsylvania helping make all this happen. You know that just adds to what you were saying earlier. I bet you Putin would be very happy with this. It would not surprise me if a lot of these militias are funded uh, directly or indirectly from Russian sources. We certainly know the uh, you know uh, many of the white nationalist organizations were funded out of out of Russia. So you know that just adds more interesting layers to what is a very disturbing picture. We have running out of time, and we just got one little bit left here from Jason Sullivan and about. Uh, two-thirds of the show is still to go, but we won't do it tonight. We'll just play this one last clip and see how he ends off this little clip. Again, this is associate of Roger Stone talking to anti-vaxxers on December 31st. When you
2: want to get things done, when President Trump wants to get things done, he creates public pressure. I'm part of that public pressure. I'm one of the people that makes certain that it becomes viral, that everybody starts talking about it, okay? The people start yelling and, and spitting and fighting and kicking and screaming about it, okay? Then when that happens, Then they have all of these hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands of conversations taking place that proves that this is what the American people are talking about. This is what the American people want. And then he uses that and has used that in many cases for executive orders. Okay. I was called by Paula White to put pressure on Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell wasn't going to take the Prison Reform Act to the floor. He was going to kill it. She called me and said, put the pressure on. No problem. Paula. She's a good friend of mine. put a lot of pressure, and it was literally a a day later that he caved and he said, I'm taking the prison reform back to the floor, okay? It was a miracle. That's how things get done. So you have to create leverage where you don't have it. Right now, you know, we can do a lot of these things. I like the idea. Let's do the indictment, okay? Let's go through the process. But it's going to be a process. That's not going to be the, you know, the 40 and not solution, so to speak. But it could certainly be a hell of a nail in, in, you know, in their coffin, especially if the process runs through, okay? But at the same time, there's got to be a multiple-front strategy. And that multiple-front strategy, I do think, is descend on the capital without question. Make those people feel it inside, okay? So they understand the people are breathing down their neck. And we've had it, and, they've had it, and we've got to be perfectly clear about it. Now, I'm not inciting violence or any kind of riots or anything like that, but we need to be loud. It needs to be like Jericho, okay? We need to shout right. and scream to where the walls shall fall down at Capitol Hill. That's what this optic needs to look like, and I can promise you, I can make that go so viral, so fast across the globe. I know people. Trust me. Okay.
0: Well, of course you could make it go viral. Anyone could make that go viral, Sherlock. I mean, that's not very. you know, If you achieved that, it would be amazing. But let's, you know, I keep laughing at all this because it is. Not uh, well, gonna
1: be he kept funny. to his promise. Yeah. Uh, it-
0: he sure yeah, did he, well yeah,
1: but the whole idea of, the word, there, of leverage
0: sort of. of creating leverage of manipulating the population to create leverage basically you know when you don't have it just create it so the public isn't upset about black violence we'll create some black violence so people get upset about it that's how you do it in Mr Trump's universe you know that's the, basically mm-hmm. what he's saying oh they, Mitch McConnell doesn't want him to do the prison reform act well let's make him do the prison reform act you know Uh, Who knows what kind of pressure he's talking about, but it sounds like he's talking about manipulated false events or false uh, narratives flowing out of various places. That's certainly what it sounds like to me.
1: What it sounded like to me is pretty clear. He's like, look, the point is to get this message out there, to get Americans fighting, spitting, yelling. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's like, I'm not trying to invite and incite violence. Yeah, you are. That's exactly what the definition of that is. And you're a criminal and you should be indicted and you should be remanded to custody and you should be put in prison. So I imagine it's complicated because of this conspiracy, so I'm not blaming the Department of Justice for not having done it yet, but now is a wonderful time because that's incitement
0: of insurrection and, uh, wow, put these people in prison, all of them. And this is one of the reasons that the Justice Department has expanded its uh, investigation recently. This, This particular tape that uh, Mr. Sullivan is heard (laughs) saying all these things is one of the reasons they've expanded the investigation. So, And it's interesting, it dropped sort of in the middle of yesterday's hubbub about the terror attack in New York. So it didn't get very much coverage, but I certainly hope it gets more coverage from now. I mean, the stuff that this man is saying is absolutely proof. There's no doubt in my mind, this guy is saying what it is. He's saying it a week before it happens it shows that there's premeditation mm-hmm. it shows that they had a plan it shows that they knew exactly what they wanted to do and what intended the intended outcome was going to be i mean it, it doesn't leave and, to anything the imagination
1: and Sorry. and in this rico conspiracy because that's what it is when you have a criminal conspiracy that involves this many actors at different levels they don't need to know each other this is a rico seditious conspiracy that involves jenny thomas oh yeah uh the wife of a sitting for now, a uh, Supreme Court justice. It involves the
0: Attorneys General Association. It involves- uh, uh, you This know. man, Mr. Michael Flynn. Uh, uh, oh, and his that's Jenny. right. You know, by the way, yep. Michael Flynn's brother I was talking to on the phone yesterday because he wanted to be interviewed on Narrative. Uh, we'll see about that. But he uh, tells me that he and Michael Flynn went home to the hotel after the speech by Donald Trump. And that he took a nap and he believes that, you know, Michael Flynn went to his hotel room. And that was the last time they'd heard from, you know, that last time. That's basically all they did that day. I, sorry, uh, Joe, uh, I don't believe you. (laughs) I mean, what what was going on? There was an insurrection happening. You went to bed? You took, you
1: had two Irish coffees and went to bed? Uh -uh. True, true, treason is tiresome. But these are old men.
0: I believe it. (laughs) uh, Certainly, Mr. uh, Michael Flynn, I find it very hard because he's the inventor of this whole thing. Of course, we know Ali Alexander, he's already turning on his former associates and he's turned state witness, but these other people are involved here too. Like Mr. Ed Martin, the judicial crisis. St.
1: Louis's St. Louis's Ed Martin. Yeah, yeah. We recognize Ed. How you and doing? A couple Ed? of
0: these people like Working Charlie good. Kirk, you know, Charlie Kirk yep. for turning point and Ralph Reed the get out the votes, dude. He might also be implicated yeah. in this expanded, you know, investigation that's going on. And here's Lisa. Cons- conspiracy to shoot us. If we stay out past eight o'clock or it, whenever they tell us. Exactly. Wow. Lisa Nelson, neat. come on down from Alec. The, uh, mm-hmm the Koch Brothers organization, and of course, these Goombas... All might be. Ah. All might be. <laughs> all right, well, that's the show for tonight. I only got <laughs> a half, even a third of the way through it. I had so much research done here, and you were going to enjoy all the research, because it was going to take us all the way back. But um, we, just,
1: we just ended with like a call for America to go shopping for men's clothing, and just like, ah! We need we need better dressed villains or something.
0: We do. Let's take them off the screen. I can't stand looking at them at all anymore. Thank you. Thank you, Zav. Oh, So much better. Look how dapper all you are. Right. Look at your, your nice outfit. Uh, I know you have to run a terrific show. And thank you, everyone, for participating. Thank you to our patrons who tried out our new hotline. It works pretty well. And I hope you sign up to patreon.com forward slash narrative you can join in on the hotline conversation. It's great to have direct access to our patrons during the show so we can answer your questions. Meanwhile, thanks to you at home for being here tonight. We have maybe no show on Friday because it's Good Friday. So we'll be back it's going to be a whole till Tuesday before we have to finish the show. There's so much good stuff here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Eric Garland can be found at his podcast at Game Theory Today, but also at Eric Garland on Twitter. Anything else you want to share and say?
1: And in, a, in an unmarked bunker underneath the tennis court. Oh, marked
0: by the yellow circle, by the yellow outline, which I've... That's classified. that's classified yeah that's classified just wanted to make sure that you knew i knew where it was uh, if oh. i needed to find you so and that is the show for me i'm going to be here probably still uh, trying to write an article based on what we've just written but maybe not here on friday but we will put on something on friday night at seven o'clock it might be a repeat episode or something else lovely on the show uh, to make sure that you're not having a lonely friday night without us and until we see you again which will probably be live next tuesday have a good night everybody narrative is made possible by viewers like you join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative that's patreon.com forward slash narrative